Shout out to Jesse. Uh, we definitely have with me tonight my man Miles, left-handed smooth operator. I do it for the ladies. Davenport is in the building. How you feeling tonight, my boy? Doing good, yo. Free, free Bobby Schmurder. He's out. Bobby Schmurder is out. <laughs> hey, I was it's wondering too. I'm. When is they gonna let Bobby out? You got this joker is six nine out here doing the craziest stuff, and you got the real ones in jail. Shout out to Bobby Schmurter being out. You know him and Rowdy gonna go crazy. I can't wait for them to drop some music. And of course, we are joined by Mr. Hot Takes himself, Greg G. Baby says, "Man, I don't care what the fans say. How you doing tonight?" I'm good, bro. I'm good. Different setting tonight. I'm feeling good. You know, Nets went five and on the road. So, you know, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great, man. That's funny enough. I was literally going to start off the show unless you had a floor to talk about your Nets going on a five-name winning streak because you have said to us that we only talk about the Nets when they lose. So the floor is yours. How do you feel about your five-game winning streak? And for those games, KD didn't even play. He just was on the bench making faces. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary hours, bro. That's what James said, right? It's scary hours. Like it, they, they're figuring it out, and they're figuring it out how to play. They're figuring out how to play team defense too. That's the cool thing about the the whole road trip and how it came together for them. They're playing team defense. They're swarming to the basketball. They're playing small. They don't even start DeAndre Jordan anymore. They have Bruce Brown in the game, playing like a pseudo five, and it's working. They play. They're really fast. They get in transition. They force turnovers. They jump passing lanes, and then on offense, like, yo, I'm, I haven't seen anything like this before. Like it, it's actually crazy because. They can go from pacing space, hitting threes, the Warriors, to like completely changing their style and having two guys on the floor. And when Katie's there, three. But over the road trip, they only had, you know, like you mentioned, they only had um, Kyrie and they had um, and, and Harden. So those two can go ISO and just get buckets whenever they want too. It, it's it's crazy. And and the way, shout out to James Harden, bro. James Harden is completely changed his play style to be like. Just he's just dominating the game from the sense where he just controls the pace of the game. He's in complete control because he, he's able to pass guys open. I told people about OKC James Harden. This is OKC James Harden with new tricks, man. He's fitting into the system and he, he gets 
he gets whatever he look, wants. He can get a catch and shoot. He can get it out of the pick and roll. He can get it out of straight ISO. He's unguardable. Like, it's actually crazy. When you have those three on the same team and you got Kyrie playing at the level he's playing at where he's getting, boy, he's 50, 40, 90. He was, he was, almost, he was 50, 50, 90 at some point this year. Um, it's, it's starting to t- taper off a little bit. But you got these guys playing at that level. They're going to be hard to beat. So I, I, <laughs> I hope for the rest of the league's sake, these guys don't get Andre Drummond because if they do, it's something is stuck. Well, that's what Cardi said, right? It's something is stuck. It's, it's yep. going to be something. <laughs> hey, I was just about to ask, with how they playing, do you want an Andre Drummond still? Yeah, for sure. I mean, DeAndre is playing well because DeAndre is more in a natural role where he's coming off the bench, so he's bringing that energy. It's not that I don't need you starting. He's just doing his job. Like last night against the Clippers, his energy was incredible. He had the big tip in. He had four blocks, I think, in that game. And now it's the first time I've seen him have that many blocks since the Clippers days. Like, he hadn't had a game that dominant in a while. Or maybe that first year, but maybe the first year in Brooklyn, he had a game like that earlier on. But he looked good, man. He looks, he looks, he's playing with more energy. And I, I said it, I said it on the show numerous times. Like, he just doesn't bring that energy every single night. It's not consistent. So when he brings it, that team, it, it, it makes it really hard to beat. Like, they just really are there. And, and so if he can bring that, that's great. But you still want to have a guy to spell him. You still want to be able to go big, especially when AD gets back. Because when AD gets back, it's going to be a problem for anyone that's trying to guard him in the post. It will not be easy. Uh, the Nets are going to try to go to a lot of gimmicks, and it won't necessarily work. So you, you, you want a big body like Drummond to help out. And not that he can guard him either, because he can't. But just, just to kind of slow him down, like Embiid too. True, true, true. So on the whole other spectrum, I guess you can say, the Celtics, Huge loss last night. We were talking about it. We didn't foresee a comeback happening. They are 4-6 and six over the last 10 games. They're 7-10 and 10 in away games. Marky Smart is still out. What's your takeaways on how the Celtics have been playing? We were all, I think it's safe to say, considering them to be a top four team, maybe a contender in the East, a threat at least. Right now, they're not looking like that. What's your takes on the Celtics so far, how they've been playing as of late? Yeah, I mean, I know in, like, years past, right, we, we talk about the Celtics and, and how they've been a threat, especially in recent years with, with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. But I, I think this is the worst we, we've seen the Celtics in a while. Obviously, um, Smart has a big part in that and in, in being out since, you know, the end of January with, with his injury. But at the same time, like, you still got Jalen Brown and you still got Jason Tatum playing together at the same time on the same court. And, and they're doing their part, right? And even, like, I, I read an article today, even when they have off nights, like, they're still playing at a high, high level. They're still producing at a high clip. The problem with the Celtics is they have no bench. It's the role players. When Gordon Hayward left last year, even coming off that gruesome injury, like, it still left a, a huge void. And they didn't really, you know, fill that position in the offseason. They, they brought another big man in, and, and Tristan Thompson. Um, they, they play big, and... I think they, they need that third dominant player that, that can – someone that can either come off the bench and give you buckets and, and help you out. But at the same time, like, they're, they're struggling right now and, and they got to figure it out. Like, this is a long season when you think about it. They've only played 30 games so far and they're at 500 right now. Like, if, if they don't get it figured out now, it's going to be hard for them to try to figure it out on the back end. Miles, is Marcus Smart the answer to all their problems? Uh, not all of them, but he's a huge part. He's like the Draymond Green of this team. He's the glue that brings this whole team together. He's their best defender. He's selfish. 
he doesn't need too many shots. He's one of the better three-point shooters on this team. So they really do miss him. I mean, he guards the best shooting guard, point guard on the opposite team of every team they play against. So when I look at this team, it's they've had injuries. Tatum was out for a couple weeks. Then Dylan Brown got hurt for a little bit. So it's like they've been running out different lineups almost every week trying to keep things together. And I've noticed that when they win one game, they, they usually lose the next game. They don't have any winning streaks that consist of anything this year. Like it's, they're a 500 team right now. And we'll see. They said Marcus Smart originally was supposed to be out two to three weeks. Now it's after the all-star break. So they're going to just have to figure things out. I mean, Kemba, he's been very inconsistent for them. I don't know. He's they paid him all this money to be that dude. That third option. Yeah. And he's been a shell of himself. This doesn't even look like the same Kemba we saw in Charlotte. So they gotta get it together. They got time. Maybe they just need that all star break, even though it's shorter this year, to gather themselves and and see if they can make a big trade, make make a splash, maybe bring in Drummond, see if something can can spark them but right now it's they're not looking like a team that can really compete they're looking like a team that'll they might get knocked out in the first round if they they keep going at this pace greg what's your takes what needs to be done for the Celtics? speaking of kimba five for 21 one for 12 from three 14 points the bench didn't do much nesmith had 10 robert williams who looked good but Eight points, 13 rebounds. I don't think that's where the answers are going to come. I don't think they have a problem regarding their bigs. Pritchard had a pretty decent game, four points, three assists, nothing to go crazy about. What is it that the Celtics need? Like, is Hayward really – was that really that big of a hole than what people thought? No, it's not about any of that. Um, the, the Celtics are going to be fine. They'll figure it out. They'll make the playoffs. They'll get bounced in the second round like they have for the last – three or four years that the Celtics have done. That's what, they, that's what they've become. Um, what this boils down to is Danny Ainge didn't pull the trigger when he had the chance. He didn't capitalize when the iron was hot, right? I'm, I'm going to stop saying all these cliches, but you guys get the point. Like he never made the big trade for a superstar. And if you guys, I mean, anybody who listens to the podcast realizes that in the NBA star power wins, like it's an arms race to get the most stars. That's, that's how you win championships in the NBA. It's not about accumulating young talent. Accumulating young talent is great, but it takes longer for that stuff to come to, to come together. And so as great as Jason Tatum is and they hit the lottery there and as great as Jalen Brown has been, that he's been really good. Um, if they're going to stay on this trajectory, they're a couple years, they're still a couple years away from really making any real noise because you're, you're, you're really on Jason. You're really on Jalen Brown's time frame here. Like you're waiting for him to be and, J, and Jason Tatum. You're waiting for them to become bona fide superstars, which is going to take time. So they had a chance to, they had so many assets from that Brooklyn Nets trade. They never got the superstar player. It never happened. They got, they got Kyrie and thought, Oh, we're set. We're going to win a championship. It didn't work out. Um, so they, they, they just missed too many times. Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge failed Boston. That's the reality of it. So, you know, here we are and we can talk about them and you know, they're a good basketball team. But I don't think anybody in Boston had that in mind when this team came together. They had championships in mind. They had they thought they were back to being a dominant team in the NBA. And it hasn't worked out that way. But they'll figure it out. I mean, 
in terms of the short term, again, they're going to get the second round of the playoffs and get bounced. I don't know by who. Maybe a Philly. Maybe a Milwaukee. They'll, they'll, they'll bounce them out of there. Um, I know Brooklyn will bounce them out of there. We ain't got to talk about that. But, like, they, they, any one of those teams will knock them out. So, um, they're just not good enough. And, and it's not – it's Marcus Smart can come back and he'll help them. But we talked about Marcus Smart and the role he plays for them. Yes, he's their glue. But over the last couple of years, he's been empowered to take more shots. And I don't know that it's the best thing for the team. Like, I don't like how many shots he takes. He takes some bad shots. Like, like Marcus Smart is, is taking a lot of threes. He's become a volume three-point shooter in certain situations, in certain games. You'll watch him play. It's like, yo, he, t- he, takes, he takes shots like he's a sharpshooter. And it hurts that team. It does. So, it, Marcus Smart is like, to tone it down, play great defense, and really set just set things up for, for Jalen. You want to get the ball in Jason Tatum's hands as much as possible and Jalen Brown's hands as much as possible. That's the way you're going to win games. And get Kemba going. Because Kemba's a shell of himself. I know he's getting healthy now. I know he's got some bounce back in his step. And we know how good of a point guard he is. But, yo, shout out to our man Dion. He said it, he said it best with, with him. He was in, in Charlotte playing losing basketball for years. This is his first taste of winning basketball. Everything changes when you play winning basketball. It's a lot harder to play in winning situations. I keep, I keep saying this. It is so much more difficult to play on a good team than it is to play on a bad team. It changes everything. The good shots you thought were good when you were playing for a bad team are suddenly – Terrible shots on a good team. That's just the way it is. So that's why I always give players who are on winning teams more credit than players who are on bad teams. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, Kemba's still getting acclimated too. So, yeah, they're way away. They're, they're not making any real noise this year. It, it's cute. Like, I think the Celtics are, are exactly where we don't want to be in the NBA. They're like, they're like middle of the pack. And, and that's the worst place to be in the NBA. Either be really horrible because you might run into, you know, Cade Cunningham, like a superstar generational player, or be great. But being in the middle is just like, like the Pacers, unacceptable. Boston, as a historic franchise that they are, they are failing by all means in that regard. Um, championship town, championship organization. So middle of the pack is not where they want to be. They do have a bright future with two all-stars with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kimba Walker was an all-star. All-star teams were released. East all-star starters, Kyrie, Bradley Bill finally got his nod and his respect. KD, Giannis, and Joel and B. Who are y'all putting as y'all reserves for the East team? You go first, Miles. How many reserves you got, though? Real quick. You got to have, so I'll run it down for you. It's two guards, three front courts, and two wild cards. So you're going to get two guards, three people in the front court, and two wild cards. So it's five starters already, and you got to come up with another seven. It's a 12-man roster. Miles, Julius Randle up there. Hell yeah. Of course he's up there. That's who I was going to say first. He needs to be, put some respect. He's... He's had a bounce back year. I mean, he should make the team on the simple fact that the Knicks are middle of the pack in the playoff hunt right now. Nobody really thought they'd be here to start the year. People thought we'd only have 13 wins this whole season, and we got 14 at this point. So he's had a great year, a bounce back year. He's gained the respect of the fans back. So let's throw him on there. Uh, who else? Of course, you got to throw Tatum on there. 
I think it wouldn't be a doubt if he didn't miss those two or three weeks because of COVID, but you can't deny the talent. He's having another good year. Jalen Brown as well. I, I would put both of them, honestly. They're both having all-star worthy years. Uh, I can't leave out Harden too. He didn't get named a starter, but he's probably number six on that, that team. Because if he was here at the beginning of the year, the Nets might even have three starters in that in that uh, starting backcourt. Uh, I got to throw Levine in there. That's been my guy for years. Uh, he's having another year. He's just – he keeps getting better, I feel like, every year. Ever since he tore his ACL and came to Chicago, he just keeps getting better. And he hasn't lost a step. The athleticism's still there. He's shown he can take over. He's doing it right now. Um, I'll throw Middleton on there just for the fact that he is solid. I don't know if he gets the credit that a lot of people – should be giving him because he's a really good two guard in this league and his passing is underrated. He averages like 25 and five. Not many players are doing that. So, and then I'll throw my boy Fred in there. Fred Van Vliet. He's having Fred a good year. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie's having a good year. He's, he's my sleeper, my wild card uh, to make the team, especially with how he's taken the, over the role of, Kyle Lowry, who's been out for stretches this year. And he's taken over games. He even had a, a 50 ball last month. So that's – how many is that? Is that six? That's your seven right there. Like that. Seven right there, Al. Chris, who are you putting on for your East Reserves? Yeah, I mean, I got to go with a lot of the same people that, that Miles went with. But one person – uh, he didn't mention was was Ben Simmons and and here's why Ben Ben Simmons his we talked about him and and Greg I look at Greg's face right now I know he he gotta he gotta improve his shooting and whatnot but at the same time Ben Simmons he's a great two way player right and for 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 Ben Simmons to have the Philadelphia 76ers in the top spot in the East right now I know I know we're gonna say Joel Embiid is doing that and he is. But Ben Simmons is also a big part of where they're at right now, leading the East and, and being in that number one spot. Um, Embiid's getting a lot of buckets. He's getting a lot of points. He's being dominant. But at the same time, with, without Ben Simmons, I don't think the, the Sixers are number one in the East right now. So uh, I'm definitely going to add Ben to that. Levine, he's a beast. He's, he's uh, averaging the highest that he has in, in his career with uh, points, rebounds, uh, assists. He's basically exceeding all the expectations that, he previously had in the past and for Julius Randle as well to uh, be irrelevant a few years back. Right. And now come to the Knicks and, and have them in playoff contention for the first time since 2013. Like that's huge. So you got to have him in there too. Um, of course, we, we talked about Chris Middleton. We talked about Fred Van Fleet. Um, I, I think uh, there was one more name that I wanted to mention earlier that I don't think Miles hit on. Ooh, it'll cut it. Nah, it'll it'll come to me. But um, let me go ahead and, and pull it up real quick. Cause Greg, why don't you go? I'll go ahead and pull this up. Cause I know you are gonna have something to say about this too. Greg, who's on your who's on your reserves? It kind of look like you gotta use the bathroom right now. But who's on your reserves? <laughs> Who me? 
Yeah, your legs shaking and all that. <laughs> I'm antsy, man. I'm not in my chair. I'm just antsy, bro. But um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I had, you know, so the Ben Simmons, the only thing I think about with the Eastern Conference and the reserves is with the three forward spots. Because I don't think I don't consider Chris Middleton be to be a uh, a, a forward on court. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So unless he's like the wild card, that's the only thing. So like a guy like Demontis Sabonis probably gets in, and I don't even I don't want to do it, but he's gonna get in. I I don't want to put him in there, but I think he's an I think he'll end up getting into the game because of the, this format of it. But um, I pen, pencil him in. I don't want to pick him, but pencil him in. Uh, then you go. I, my two guards are easy. Levine, easy. Harden. Harden would be starting if he'd been here since the beginning of the of the, the season, like Miles said. Um, but I'm glad Bill's getting that start because uh, he's suffering. So he deserves some kind of happiness here. Um, so you've got Harden and you've got a Levine. Um, and and the, the Ben Simmons thing is so interesting to me because, yeah, he, Ben Simmons is an all-star. No question about it. All-star level player deserves to be in the game. But Ben Simmons does none of the stuff that fans want to see in an all-star game. So you don't want to vote for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not excited to watch Ben Simmons play in the game. You're just not because he's not a, an, an entertaining player to watch. No yeah. sick. But he's not. So so there's that piece of it, too. Uh, but I'll pencil Ben in there because I think the Sixers do get two starters in there. So I think Jalen Brown – Jalen Brown's going to be in my wild card spot. And you've got Jason Tatum. So you round it out. you got J, you got my, you got Levine, Harden, Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown. And, yo – Fred Van Vliet deserves love, bro. Like, I just want to see him get in. I just want to see him get in. He's been so good cooking Giannis left and right, man. Taking, you know, like, just being great. He's a great player. And he's, and he's transformed his game from day one in the league to now he's so much more comfortable in, in the league. And so I'm, I'm really happy for him. He signed that deal and he looks like he's worth more than it. And that's, that's what you want to see. So, uh, yeah, I think that depends on my last wild card spot. I know some people are going to be murmuring for the kind of sections of the world to get in. Wait. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. I just thought, I just thought, hold on, I just thought. Get Fred out of there. Wow. No, get, no. Get DeMontis out of there. Sabonis is not getting in. Julius Randle's getting in the game. Julius Randle's an all-star. I'm sorry. I, I I had a brain fart. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have my list in front of me. No, I scratched that. Sabonis, get him out of there. I'm so happy he won't get in. Randle is in, and you got, you got a great squad. You got Fred getting in. I think Sabonis might be Fred out, though. Might is what ha- might happen though. I got Zach Levine, Harden, same pretty much as everybody else. Tatum, Ben Simmons. I'm throwing Bam in there as one of my front court members. Miami hasn't been playing well together because of injury, COVID, but Bam has been consistent all season. He looks like he's improved from last season. So I'm putting Bam in that mix. Of course, Julius Randle, Jalen Brown gets in for me this year. I said that two weeks ago. Jalen Brown is an all-star on my squad. Bam is the only one I got different from basically y'all. I got Ben Simmons up there, too. I agree. Not the most exciting player, but you got to look at the system, too. You got Embiid there, and you got Tobias Harris. They're not a running team. You look at the all-star format, it's running. The point is to be exciting, so I think you can see some excitement out of him, at least passive-wise. Maybe he might excite the fans, pull up from half court just to do it. We'll know, you know. He, we'll he, see. He won't do it. 
over in the West, we got starting Steph Curry, Bron Bron, Jokic, Kawhi, and I don't agree with him being a starter, but Luka was one of these starters. He even said it himself, Dame should have been a starter, but that's neither here nor there. Who is in your Western reserves? Greg started off. Well, Dame. Dame should have been starting, so Dame's a lock. That's easy. I'm um, going CP3 as my second guard in the West. Uh, CP3 deserves it. He's flipped the Sun situation completely around overhead, so he deserves he deserves that consideration and deserves to get in just off the strength of that alone. Um, once you start moving into the front court players, it gets real interesting because AD can't play, so he he's not going to be in the game. So now you have this opening, and it opens up a, a position for like a younger up and coming player. So. You know, you think about the, the three bigs you could have in this game, or, or at least the wing players um, on the outside here. I don't, I don't think a guy like Ingram gets the nod this year, um, and and I think eventually he will, but not this year. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> the, the West is tough. There's so much talent. I want to go with Book and give him some love and get Book in the game. But do the Suns deserve two All Stars? Is the thing I'm fighting with in my own head, right? When you think about how good the West has been. Um, overall, it, it, it's tough, man. It's, it, it's, a, it's a tough pick for me. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of locked here. I'm going to be honest. I have a ton of spots to go with for the West. And, I, and I'm really deliberating here because there's a lot of different ways you can take this um, overall. And I, I, excuse the sounds, but it, it, it's, that, it's that much thought for me that goes into it. And I know I've only given you all two names, which is Damon CB3, but those are the two locks that I have off the top of my head right now for the Western Conference. And so, I mean, hey, look, let's talk this one out. The talk this one out with me, guys, because I want to hear I want to hear what y'all lists are as well so I can either be, disagree with you or be like, all right, it makes sense. Okay. I think one I think one that we can agree on, I think Miles will be on the same page with this one. One that I will put in the front court, PG-13. Oh, facts. Yeah. yeah. He's been balling out. The problem isn't him balling out in the regular season it's playoffs but we got some time before that comes up but I think he's an all-star I'd throw Donovan Mitchell in that mix yeah for sure Lock. being they the number one seed in the west nobody expected I don't care what anybody I don't think anybody in Utah expected them to be the number one seed at this point in the western conference top three top four maybe but Nobody expected them to be 24 and 6 at this point. 30 games in, you you couldn't tell me somebody believed that. I'm going to. Miles could disagree, agree. I'm putting Zion in there. That's what I was about to say. I'm like, I don't think it's that hard for him to be really? an all-star this year. He's like Zion, Zion being an all-star game is a, is a favorite of all the fans, but they haven't been that great all year. He's been pretty good. He's been damn good. We've been trying to. That's why I was talking. Because of that. And what about Gobert? You don't think Utah gets two? They love throwing Gobert in the All Star game. I hate it. I think this might be a hot thing. I think they get three. I wouldn't so put Conley. I'm not putting Conley in the All Star game. I think Conley's a wild a wild card. I think that I think they're going to give them three. They shouldn't. I think a guy like De'Aaron Fox deserves it. Like he as a wild card. He's a wild card. Would he, you put him over Booker? Uh, I mean, I would put Chris Paul over Booker if we're talking about like yeah. on the Suns. 
I think Chris Paul's done more for that team this year than Book's done. I don't want to say his whole career, but basically, I mean, they're in the hunt for the playoffs right now. D Book hasn't done that really, besides the ball last year, ever in his career. So that's, that just shows the difference between a Chris Paul led team and him not being on your team. He affects women. I, 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 I want the fans I do, to understand. Bro. I do like Zion. No, Miles, let me cut you off, bro. I want the fans to understand what's happening to Booker, bro. Yeah, I, I, when you start playing winning basketball, things can change a little bit. You start, you see these gaudy scoring numbers going down for him. You see halves where he has 20 points in the half and he has two points in the next half. He's struggling trying to figure out how to play winning basketball. And that's the only reason why he's not a lock, but it's because they probably should get two all-stars. They have an all-star starting back. They have an all-star backcourt, those two guys. We can, we can all agree. I think those two guys are all-stars, but it's, it's, it makes it iffy. And that's why you can put Zion in there, even though they, they haven't been, they've underachieved as a team. Because Booker hasn't been that good. So, no, I just want to take that point. Go ahead, Miles. How bad? No, but with Zion, another reason I like him for the All-Star game is he's kind of turned it up a notch this year. He's playmate. He's he's more of a playmaker this year, too. He's had games, seven assists, eight assists. He's trying to do it all for this team. And even though they probably need more pieces on this team, we even saw yesterday. They got that fight. They got Lonzo. They got Brandon Ingram, who – He's another sleeper. He probably won't get that love because he's teammates with Zion and everybody loves Zion. So he's going to automatically get that edge. But I just love the way Zion's playing right now. Even though he doesn't have a jumper right now, he's shown that <laughs> he doesn't really need one right now. He's still averaging 26, 7, and 3. I mean, yeah. most people would love those numbers, jumper or no jumper. So, Dame, Dame wanna... game, Gobert. I mean, he's the best defensive big in the NBA. I want to nope. ask this question. You brought you brought up Zion being a playmaker. Are the Pelicans best with Zion being the playmaker? You see Stan Van Gunny's been doing that over the last couple of weeks. And when he has the ball in his hands from <laughs> the front court all the way up, it's pretty good. It's pretty successful. Teams have no choice but to collapse on him, double team him, be scared. He's getting open shots with B.I. Lonzo's getting open shots. I'm, Is that the best position? And if if the Pelicans are best with having Zion as the playmaker, what does that mean for Lonzo? <laughs> you got nothing. me. No, nothing. Nothing. Because Lonzo can shoot the ball. He shoots the ball. He's improved his shooting. So he can play in that style of offense. If you want to ha have him be a floor spacer and have him hit open threes all night, I mean, he think he's proven he can do that. He's hitting 40%, 47% of his three points, right? He's hitting 47% now over these last, what, I think it's 10. It's a big sample size, 10 to 12 games now. So, no, nah, man, he, he can play in that offense. The question is, do you want to spend for him? Which – if you're the Pelicans, spending for Lonzo shouldn't be a big discussion because who else are you spending the money on? I know B.I.'s deal is coming up if they haven't already paid him, and I, I had to double-check there. Um, but they'll pay, Zoe down, they'll pay Zion down the line too. But, hey, look, where else are you going to allocate your money to? You might as well pay your young core. And if you let Zoe walk for nothing and you don't trade him, they either have to him or pay him. It's, it's, there's, only, there's only two options. You let him walk for nothing some team's going to be very fortunate to get him because he's only getting better and better every year. Um, 
So there's that piece of it too for me. But I mean, if, if you're thinking about like whether or not they're better as a team when he runs that point guard position coming down the floor, they they can they can be better. I think in spurts, you don't do that the whole game. You don't do it because I think if if you're gonna do it the whole game, uh, Patrick Beverly's in that is gonna get up in there and and press Zion because Zion has big man dribbles, but not like he don't dribble like a guard. Let's not get it. Let's not get it mistaken. As smooth as he is. So you can do it in spurts, and and it can be very effective in like a small ball death lineup with him running point guard and spacing the floor out. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's bring some success so far. I think if he was in optimum shape, maybe you could have him do point forward the whole game. And that's the question though, if he's in shape or not, right? that's something that's just gonna follow him his whole career. Just his body type. That's just how he's going to have to play. And I don't think that it's a bad thing that he plays at this weight, but maybe down the line, he could stand to lose a few pounds. Yeah, maybe we'll see, like, all of them did it. LeBron, Melo, they hit their 14, 15 year. You'll see them on the, the body mag of ESPN next year. Talking about they lost 45 pounds and Melo's wearing tank tops and you can't recognize him. He got a new haircut. We'll probably see that for Zion down the road. Maybe he'll join plant-based eating in year 15. It's tough. It's tough, though, down in New Orleans. They got that, that good food down there. So his weight's going to fluctuate if he doesn't have a cook. With <laughs> hey, with that contract that he's definitely going to be getting coming, that should be the first investment as a chef. Flag on the play segment, y'all know. Except for the decline. First one. Michael Pittman Jr. will not give number 11 to Carson Wentz. Except for the decline. Except he shouldn't. <laughs> what has Carson Wentz earned in the NFL, bro? To come here and get someone out, up out of their jersey number. Yo. Oh, get out of here, yo! Like, see, he didn't win. He didn't win MVP that year. He got hurt. He was. He played at a high level. We yo have an argument, but we're coordinating. Maybe, yeah, fine. We're we're core. We coordinate these guys way too early. There's there is a statue of Nick Foles outside of the stadium in which he played. Okay, your backup has a statue, not you, bro. And and like, it's not a knock on him. Like, the guy got a chance to play and he played well. Kudos to him. Who knows? Maybe the Eagles win that Super Bowl if Wentz played the entire way through. Maybe. But, yeah, for us to act like this guy can come in and take jury to numbers and call shots, you ain't done enough in the league, man. So, no. And Pittman's going to be a stud. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be a stud wide receiver in the league. I'm mad he's not on the New York football Giants. But let's continue. So, of course, when the situation happens, you know, money is involved. If you are a second-year player, there's no money that could get you to switch the number? Well, that's been his number probably since he was a kid. Like he was that Pittman? I see. Yeah. Pittman. So USC was I think USC might have been, I think he was eleven two there. I think I think Miles nope. was right. Yeah. USC was six? number six. Six? Number six. Okay. All right. I'm mistaken. So then it's not like he can be number six again. This is his first number. I'm sure he wants to rock out with that. Um, would you take the bag though? Maybe depends on how much the bag we're talking. Like, I know Wentz is that cap hit for Philly is heavy, so he's got money to spend. 
But maybe Wentz takes number 12. I don't know how Indianapolis would feel about that, but maybe he takes Andrew Luck's old number. I don't Yo, know. They, they better not allow. They, they haven't retired his number yet, but you that's just a respect factor. I know Andrew Luck didn't play like 15 seasons, but you don't let anybody wear number 12. Not in Indianapolis. Wentz should want nothing to do with number 11 anyways. It, 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 he should have PTSD from a number 11. All right, get out that jersey number. Start fresh. It's a fresh start for you. It's your last chance, buddy. It's your last chance, bro. He's, he's over here making this bread. You know, we're going to sit on this money here. You know, I, I can't – I look, I know we always go here. I cannot help but think, like, man, like, what if it was a black quarterback and they were cap-tied like that? Would you get this shot? Would you have gotten this shot if you were – you know what I mean? I, I just can't help but think about it. The luckiest man alive. Take a different number. We're number one. We're number zero. Start fresh and hope you play good football this year because if you don't, there's there's incentives in this deal. Yeah, I think if he doesn't play 70% of the snaps this year for them, total snaps, then that pick that the um, Eagles get back turns into a first-rounder. So they're going to be watching that, bro, because they will have no problem pulling him. They'll have no problem pulling him to not give up a first-round pick. He's on a short leash this year, even with being with his old buddy Frank Wright. So, man, start fresh. You reinvent yourself. You work on everything and hope for the best if you're Carson Wentz. Speaking of black athletes and sometimes not getting – you know, the right opportunities. This black athlete continues to get opportunities. Flag on the play. Kima Severn was arrested for street racing in an ice storm in Houston. Before you accept or decline, this is the same player from the Seahawks that was cut for trying to sneak a girl into the hotel during Corona. Accept or decline. I'm gonna accept for for this for this fact only. I'm accepting this because of the fact that at this point you don't deserve to to have a career in the NFL. If you if you continuously you know make childish mistakes like this and act like a child when you have everything you know given you at at, at your fingertips, right? It's every person's dream uh, or every young athlete's dream to play in the NFL or the NBA on that biggest stage, right? And you have had an opportunity in one. Do I get it? No, but at the same time, it's the pandemic, you know what I mean? It's the coronavirus, and, and you're at camp, you know, with a bunch of guys around you. But that's just idiotic, trying to sneak a girl into your hotel room. But now when it's other lives at risk too, right, and, and we're in, you're in Houston and, and there's a, a snowstorm, whatever the case may be, an ice storm, and you're still going to go out there and act childish when you're supposed to be rebranding yourself and rebuilding yourself to give yourself that uh, extra shot at getting back into the league. You already have a lot to prove it on your plate, and then you go out and do this dumb nonsense. Like, at this point, man, you don't even deserve it. Yeah, right now, currently, he's still under – he is under contract with the Raiders, but we'll see how long that lasts with this situation. But it is the Raiders. They tend to like to sign players that have, um, how do you say, tumultuous uh, backgrounds. Just yeah, but talk about, talk about a short leash. We had Vontez Burfick, right? He got out of there. A.B., they tried that. That didn't go the way. You think they're going to do this, like, keep someone around that isn't as talented as, as those two guys? Like, come on now. Yeah, again, as much as we try on this podcast, and I know Greg personally on his own platforms try to push equal opportunities for black athletes, black coaches, it's situations like this that 
it's not the best of a look right now. Speaking of not equal opportunities for black coaches, the Timberwolves fire Ryan Saunders and hire a new coach in Chris Finch in record time, I think. I think this is safe to say in record time. He was hired eight minutes after the T-Wolves fired Ryan Saunders with a David Vanterpool on the bench who has been in the league for 11 years and has played in the league, accept or decline? Accept, man. This this goes hand in hand with what we said. Oh, I, I said this last last podcast or maybe the one before last, um, just talking about the NBA and how everything they're doing out there is, is performative. And this goes to show you, I mean, like everything with Black Lives Matter, everything with, you know, supporting the players and things, it's, it's all performative. And you made a good point, Antonio, of saying that it's about the owners, not so much about Silver. And you're right. Silver is the lap dog and he's just got to follow the orders. Unfortunately, that's just the way it works. But it, it, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, <laughs> so they had their eye on this coach the entire time. They were working this out. They were going to fire Saunders. We're going to find this out, but I, this had to be what it was. They were going to fire Saunders for weeks now. They'd been working this out with that Raptors coach. He was, I believe he was a former G League coach for the Raptors, Finch. Um, they've been, they been eyeing him for a long time, and they were waiting for the perfect moment to fire him. Funny enough, the final shot came, against, came because he lost to the Knicks, which I think is funny. It's all, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you lost to the Knicks? Get up out of here. It's done. That's hilarious. There's a new Knicks, Miles. Relax. It's a new Knicks. And no disrespect. But, um, <laughs> but uh, nah, man, like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, you give this guy the job just like that, right? And Vanderbilt was on your bench who's been in the league putting in that time, working with great players like CJ McCollum and Dame, right? Being on winning rosters that have won. These guys have won 50 games. He's been on, he's been on that kind of coaching staff, coming from a great coaching tree with uh, Terry Stotts, and he doesn't even get an interview, right? You got to be twice as good. You got to be three times as good. You got to change the same, right? You got to be three times as good to get half. And so um, it, it's, it's really sad, but it just goes to – the biggest thing I took from this story is the NBA – you know, acting all kumbaya with their black athletes and acting like they support, having this image that they support their black athletes is performative. It's performative. At the, at the top, there's there's a white power structure in place and it's, nothing is shaking it. Nothing is shaking until Bron owns the basketball team. I think that's why I think Bron's second act is going to be better than his first act. Because Bron's going to own a basketball team and he's going to shake up the power structure, I think. Um, when he goes in there and he starts hiring a bunch of black people to run, to do, to run stuff. For an organization so i'm excited about that but until then you know and that's just going to be one team but until then you know we're here we are i think something i saw kendrick perkins talk on this and he made a great point which i think is accurate when you see situations like this happen it's more so of who you know finch was best friends with rosas the person that handled the hiring we need more people. We talked about this two or three episodes ago. The main solution that we can see as of right now that would only help this, and this is across the board in life, Black people in positions of power, and as Greg said, once you're in that position of power, it is your responsibility to put on qualified Black people in those positions. 
we don't have that many GM. Forget ownership. Let's just go even at the next level. GMs. How many black GMs are there? Barely any, man. Well, we had Dell Demps for a while. We had Minnesota had a black GM for a while, too. Um, Elton Brand. Elton Brand. James Jones. He's a big one. By the way, the NBA is trailblazing with their number of black black GMs. Just think about that. Baseball, you know there's damn well no black GMs, right? I'm, I'm hockey. <laughs> that's funny. That's that's funny. Um, and and in football, like and the football, none, none. So you think about the NBA and what they've done. Like, there's more black people sprinkled in in leadership positions, but that's because the sport is dominated by black people to the point where there's no denying them. It's very difficult. And, and when you can, you do. And when you can, you do. That's what the NBA does. When you can deny them, you, can, you, you try to. So, you know, it, it is disappointing, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of tap dancing and performing out there. And I just want people to see through it because the NBA is it's just as guilty. As other yeah, sports Vanderpool, Vanderpool doesn't even get an interview. Um, and shout out to him for staying professional because I don't know how I will go to work the next day. The head coach gets fired. Y'all bringing in somebody else, and I still got to go back to work. And I'm working with somebody else now. I kudos to him. That's ultimate professional. Last one of flag on the play. Brandon Marshall, friend of the show. Shout out to B Marsh, friend of the show. Said Joel Embiid is not only the MVP, but right now he currently is the best player on the planet, except or decline. Well, isn't that the same guy who wants to fight uh, Deontay uh, Walker? Yes, Bronze Bomber. So I, don't, I think he's got a few marbles that aren't right in his head. So. Nigga, he got CTE. <laughs> he got CTE. <laughs> we haven't we haven't diagnosed it yet. He's been on TV saying some dumb stuff for a while now. That was incredibly stupid. I, 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 yo, he, he said that on first thing on uh, first things first. Yeah, <laughs> man. I don't even have the energy. Yo, you cannot talk basketball to everybody. And you should not, you cannot put anybody on a on a national platform to talk basketball. You look, you want to say he's the MVP, fine. Like you can make a case for that. But saying he is the greatest, the best player on earth. Joel B doesn't think he's the best player on earth for real. Give him truth serum. You know who he'd say? He doesn't respect. Brown, Brown. You know who he would say? Come on, bro. Brown, bro. Come on, bro. Joe Embiid has well, to eat cheeseburgers. Like, like, up the court. Looks like the season he's been eating um, beyond meat, so it's cool. It's not regular, <laughs> regular cheeseburgers. Transitioning, this has been a, I want to say, it's been probably for our time period, maybe a, a decade-long discussion argument whether or not NFL teams can pay running backs top dollar and be successful. And matter of fact, should they even pay them top dollar? So before we get into it, I'm going to throw some numbers out there for our listeners just to give perspective. Top five highest paid NFL running backs in history. Adrian Peterson so far has earned $98 million, no championship. Uh, MVP in 2012. Edgar and James, $68 million. One first team All Pro. Reggie Bush, $63 million. He has a Super Bowl championship, but he was the second running back on that team, only had 34 yards 
rushing, I believe, in that Super Bowl. Number four, the anomaly, people would say, Emmitt Smith, three-time Super Bowl champion, $61 million, well-deserved, the last good thing that happened for the Cowboys, honestly speaking. Fifth highest paid running back of all time and is still trying to get another check. He might get another check from the Jets. Frank Gore, $59 million he's made in his career. Five-time Pro Bowler, not a champion. The top 10 running backs this season being paid, McCaffrey, we know he don't got a ring. Kamara, no ring. Elliott, no ring. David Johnson, no ring. Dalvin Cook, no ring. Joe Mixon, no ring. Derrick Henry, no ring. Melvin Gordon, no ring. And the person that started this conversation, Saquon Barkley at $7.8 million a year, no ring. Miles, should teams pay their running backs? Or as you say, should this be by committee to try to win a championship? I mean, it's, it's been shown that you can win a Super Bowl by committee. They don't, you don't really need a, a top flight running back to win a Super Bowl. Like we, we just watched it. Fournette, Ronald Jones, they weren't number one guys on this team. It was by committee. Even the Chiefs made it by committee. Clyde wasn't the main guy. Le'Veon was there. They have Daryl Williams. So if you look at it, you, ha- you can better allocate funds for your team elsewhere. Like your O-line, that's more important than paying a, a running back. Because if a running back doesn't have lanes to run through, that $12 million they're making a year is burning holes in the owner's pocket. So I see it as, because the main reason I brought this up was because I don't think the Giants should pay Saquon what he's going to want, which I'm sure Greg disagrees, but it's the truth. Like, I just don't see it. There's a lot of other holes on that team. Many teams have this problem. Like the Panthers just paid McCaffrey all that money. And 16 million a year. Where has that got them besides him winning fantasy championships for people every year? They don't, they don't do anything in the playoffs. It's, and they're rebuilding now. They're even offering him in a trade for Deshaun Watson because clearly they know you win with a QB a star QB. You don't win with star running back. So that's all I got to say about it. I want to hear Greg. Yeah, Greg. No, no, no. I want to hear CJ real quick, man. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, I think, I think Miles' case can be argued to the fact where, yes, yes, I completely agree with you. You're burning holes in the owner's pockets, right? If you have a a star running back, but, but no line, they got nowhere to run. So what are you paying them all this money for, right? But at the same time, like, let's look at what happened to um, – well, this is a whole other topic. We'll talk about Todd Gurley first, right? Todd Gurley, I mean, devil's advocate. He, he got paid the bag, right? And then they, they shipped him off to uh, – or they, no, they cut him after not having productive uh, years. And some want to say it's because of his knee injury and whatnot. But at the same time, he hasn't been the same since. Like, 2018, he had the best year, right? Over 1,200 rushing yards, got paid the bag. 2019, horrible year. Not horrible, but for him, it was a bad year. He only 800 and something rushing yards. And then last year, less than 600 rushing yards. And he's still getting paid. And he's getting paid for 
not putting in the work that you know what I mean he's putting in work but he's not getting paid what he should like he's getting paid the bag <laughs> Antonio just telling me stop disrespecting that King look I'm a big fan of Todd Gurley and I think he's gonna have a, a good career and I think he's gonna come back I just think he's in a really bad situation right now where he's had two bad back-to-back two bad back-to-back seasons right and now he needs a really big season this year to prove that he's worth all that money that the Rams had paid him if he doesn't, you know, he's going to find himself in, in a bad spot. And and Miles disrespected my man Joe Mixon earlier, but Joe Mixon, he's got some things for us coming this year. I promise you, if he can stay healthy, we're, we're getting him Penny Asul. We're drafting Penny Asul at number four this year. And then uh, at number five, actually. And then we got Joe Burrow coming back. That's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother topic. We're not going to get into that. But at the same time, I agree with Miles in a way, but I also don't agree with Miles in a way because – one, yes, Todd Gurley got paid the bag. We look at Zeke, too. Zeke had a bad year. He got paid uh, that – he's on that six-year contract tied to, like, 2027. He got the extension, too, had a bad year. Doesn't uh, look himself and, and how he was in years past. And even people can make the argument, too, in years past, yeah, he was a dog. He was, he was getting – he was playing well and whatnot. But at the same time, did he deserve all that money that quickly? Uh, and I think the answer is no. It was too quick. And, and they rush into making these decisions because they're like we talked about the players are starting to treat it like it's the NBA, right? They're starting to demand contracts way too soon that they don't deserve and whatnot. Um, but back to Miles's point, Miles was talking about how, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, his situation right now, do we, do they giants pay him? I think with someone of, of that level of talent, I think you could build around Saquon Barkley. And here's why, just what he brings to the game in terms of his athleticism and his, ability to run laterally across the field and uh, vertically in terms of making defenders miss and just keeping the play alive. That's something that's rare. That is a rarity in this league, especially for running backs. You don't see Joe Mixon doing that with any team. You don't see even Todd Gurley when he was back in his 2018 season, he wasn't doing that. He, the system worked for him because they had a great offensive line. He had guards that would pull and lead out in front of him. Saquon Barkley with a bad offensive line, he's doing all this by himself. So I, for him to get his money, I think he should get his money. But I don't. I don't think that. See, it's it's hard to say because it sounds contradictory. You don't want to spend all of your money on Saquon because the Giants do need other pieces. But I do believe Saquon deserves a bag, whether it's with the Giants or with another team. Brad, before you go, people might argue this too. The average shelf life of an NFL running back is three years. And we've seen as not many running backs that actually they might play like a Frank Gore till 67, but the production is far <laughs> gone in the past. <laughs> Saquon, contract coming up, coming off an injury. You the GM. They're you gonna use Saquon? They're gonna they're gonna use a fifth year option on Saquon. That 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 is probably what's most likely gonna happen. So they'll push this a year off. Um, first of all, the you can't the, the debate. There's no debate about whether or not you know running backs are are over, can be overvalued, right? You can win without a superstar running back, no question. There's no that's not a debatable topic. You've seen it too much too much too many examples. The conversation really boils down to Saquon Barkley. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so with Saquon Barkley. Um, I just think he is he is the closest thing to Barry Sanders I think anyone's ever seen. Even more so, and I, I don't even think the comparison was accurate. Like, there was never a comparison between him and Adrian Peterson, right? But 
Um, he's just that good. And in his rookie year to get 1,300 all-purpose yards with a terrible offensive line, right? You can, can you imagine what he's going to do with an offensive line? I will pay Saquon Barkley an exorbitant, a ton of money. And the reason why, too, is because of the way the Giants are constructed. If you're looking at, it depends on your team, the way they're built. Like the Panthers paying McCaffrey was a mistake. Not because, and not at the time, they had Cam. And they thought Cam was going to stay healthy. And they thought Cam was going to, they were going to, they had their franchise quarterback. It didn't work out that way. But if you're the Giants and, or, or like even the Bengals are a good example. If you're the Bengals, the Giants, and you believe you have, you, you believe internally you have your quarterback of the future and you drafted him and you're not paying him that much, you can afford to pay your running back. You can afford to pay luxury positions a lot of money. And on top of that, let's not forget NFL contacts, the contracts are structured in a way where you can get out of them pretty quickly. All right. So like you're not cap tied like the NBA. It's not a ton of guaranteed money. You can front load it. You can back load it. There's a lot of ways they can get out of these deals. But look, Saquon stays healthy and the old line continues to progress and get better. It's he he could break 2K. He could break two. He could be on some Derrick Henry stuff, but just do it in a different way. Make guys miss in the backfield. He he hits home runs. He hits home runs and he does it not just running the ball, but catching the ball. So Saquon's value is ridiculously high because of the way he can hurt you. He can hurt you in multiple ways in the field. He's not a great blocking back. I do think they have to, they have to tandem. They have to like do a job, do something where they have him for work in tandem with other running backs. Um, so bring some other guys in there. And so you can argue right there, like, hey, is that guy worth X amount of dollars or the biggest, the richest running back contract of all time? And the answer is still yes, because he's just that good. He's an offensive weapon. He's an offensive weapon. And if the Giants are using him the right way, you're going to be able to get big explosive plays from out of out of a jet sweep. You can you can motion him out. And he can he can line up against a linebacker and beat that linebacker. The Giants haven't even started to really show teams what exactly that guy's capable of doing in the NFL. He was the greatest college running back I ever seen. Ever, I I ever seen in my life. Like incredible. And when the Giants were picking at that with that second pick, and people were going Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, take Sam. I'm I'm so happy we didn't. And I was saying at the time, take Saquon. I I watched Saquon play a couple times, a couple Saturday nights. I stayed at the crib. Watch him play, and I was blown away. Like I was blown away. He is he is that good. So, no, I think you pay him. Um, you know, you can. There's ways to protect yourself as an organization in football. I think we know this against a major injury. He's gonna get paid. He's gonna have a big year this year, right? Knock on wood. Hopefully for him. Um, and you know, and and I think it's more about him being healthy. I know his talent. He'll have a good year. So you pay him, but. You know, with, with, the, with the way the Giants are constructed, they're building for the draft. Um, they're kind of supplementing with free agency. The biggest the, – they don't have a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys right now. Leonard Williams about to get a bag. That's it. Where else is the money being spent? Daniel Jones hasn't earned the bag yet. Yet. That'll be a problem to solve in the future. So, you know, like, yeah, man, like, you can you can tap the money in Saquon and make sure he's good. Knowing you have a rookie quarterback on a really nice deal where you can use the fifth-year option knowing you have your flexibility in other places and knowing the Giants are drafting well. Because you draft well, you can pay Saquon. That's the biggest thing. The only reason why the Giants are in this position is because they drafted well. I know people don't see it if you don't watch the Giants. The Giants have drafted really, really well. They have a young corner named Darnay Holmes. He didn't get he was the only he was the only cornerback who didn't a rookie cornerback who did, did not give up a single touchdown. Not one slot corner. The hardest cornerback position to learn how to play in the NFL. And they got him in the fourth round. Gettleman's in a good job, man. Like, you, you can pay Saquon. 
You can pay luxury positions. They can go pay a wide receiver because they draft well. So, yeah, pay, give them the bag. It's all about team composition. Uh, yeah, I think it's really based off of the team. I think specifically in a giant situation, this is y'all only weapon y'all have on offense. So this right. is the best decision for y'all to do. Y'all let go of y'all traded Odell. And we know partially what that really was about, but we won't go into that because that's another podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, let's look at the last 10 Super Bowl winners, right? In 09, running back, Steelers, Willie Parker. Would y'all put him in the top 10 running backs that year? Probably not. Oh, 2010, Pierre Thomas. 2011, James Starks. 2012, Ahmad Bradshaw. 2013, Ray Rice. 2014, Marshawn Lynch. 2015, LeGarrett Blunt. C.J. Anderson, LeGarrett Bunt for the next two years, 2017, 2018. Mm. 2019, Sony Michael. 2020, Damian Williams in this past year, 2021, Leonard Fournette. Oh, I have on. to agree with. I'd have to agree with Miles. Before you go, Greg, I'd have to agree with Miles. You can win by committee none of these none of these teams have won with elite top level high paid running backs outside of maybe you throwing in Marshawn Lynch but even that game he only he didn't reach 100 yards rushing um shoot LeGlair Blunt is up here three times with two different teams hold on hold on I said this about the draft, and I'll say it again because the draft is super important. I heard this point about wide receivers. I heard, I literally heard them arguing this on NFL Today the other day. They were saying that if you are a GM, do you even pay your top tier wide receiver? That's why these. That's that's why a receiver like Allen Robinson is going to hit the market. When does that ever happen? He could hit the market this year. The fact that we even think he could hit the market is crazy. There, you're getting great wide receivers like Justin Jefferson late in the first round. You're getting. They the Bucks had a wide receiver from Minnesota, Tyler Johnson. They got him in the fourth round. He was a damn good receiver. You were getting really, really good players. And that, the the point is the talent pool in the, in the in the college football is getting better and better and better. And so, guess what? I don't have to allocate funds to to, to premier positions that I used to anymore. So for wide receiver, I can let an Odell Beckham Jr. walk, knowing I might get Justin Jefferson the next year, right? Like. That the, the town's getting better. So what I say, I say this to say, I know I'm devaluing the positions even more, but you can allocate your funds differently than you used to. You can spend your money different ways than you used to. The draft, the players coming out of the draft are better. They're just better. So I can pay a Saquon Barkley knowing, okay, cool. Like I paid Saquon Barkley. I need a cornerback number two in the draft. Oh, cool. I got a Patrick Sertain. I got Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. I got all these guys I can pick from. And that's not even mentioned the sneakers, sleepers in the draft. The, the, the talent pool coming out of college is, is so good that you can allocate funds differently than you could 20 years ago. So this may be a little outdated. And as good as Saquon is, I don't think there's many teams in the NFL that are coming up off of him. Like, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I think I think your favorite team, whoever this is listening to the podcast, is going to pay Saquon Barkley over their running back right now. And Dalvin Cook's a better running back than him right now. But you're projecting what Saquon is going to be because everyone drafted, everyone knew that when he came in, with the, the he had the, the opportunity and he has the ability to be the best running back in the league, hands down. It ain't, it ain't this ain't no Zeke thing, man. Like it's not the same. It's levels to this. Yes. All, all expected to Zeke.
He has to change up his style a little bit because he he's a little he, – I don't want to say he's too explosive, but some of his cuts are just not good for those knees. Like, he blew out his knee trying to make some crazy move this year. So, he's a little injury prone right now. That's the knock on him. He's been banged up the last two seasons, didn't finish this season, missed how many weeks last year with a high ankle sprain. He finished with 1,000 yards that year, but it's going to be tough for Gettleman especially, who's – I'll give it to him. He had a better year this past year in making moves. But his track record, (laughs) he's not really going to want to pay these premium positions like running back, receiver, big money. Hold on now. Hold on now. Hold on now. Hold on now. Hold up, Greg. Before you go, just to go off of Miles' point, I think – I think the reason that you see Saquon doing so much and making all those cuts that you deem unnecessary is because he feels like the weight of the team's success is on his shoulders when he's out there, right? He's the, here's the, he's their guy. Like they feed him constantly. They put the ball in his hands time after time. They don't have, uh, at least when he was playing early on in the season, the receivers weren't that strong yet. They hadn't come along yet. You know what I'm saying? No he gets, quarterback. He, he, exactly. He's toting that ball and he he's getting the ball you know, throughout the whole entire game, he's just trying to make something happen. Like you can't, you can't blame him for for making cuts when when they don't got a line and anyone blocking for him. He trying, he trying to escape. You know, that's that's always been his his mo is to escape and get downfield. And a lot of times it works out for him. But what I also was gonna say was he's talking about the control of the team, talking about get up. It's not get up's mo to pay these guys. And I know that there's a list of guys that he didn't pay. None of them were as good as Saquon for starters. And beyond that. Like if you if you're just being real with it, if you if you're locked into Giants the Giants like I am, like a Giants fan is, that man brought up paying Saquon last year. That man has brought up paying Saquon a bunch of times. The ownership has brought up paying Saquon. They're gonna pay Saquon Barkley. Giants fans know this is inevitable. Any Giants, and there are Giants fans who agree with Miles who say, "Yo, let him walk." You're idiots. You're not letting him walk. He's too good. He's too good to let him walk. He's too good to let him go. You're not doing that. He's your best offensive weapon you have left on this roster, like like Antonio said. I don't know about the whole no weapons thing. He's he's a wild and he always throw. He always go over the top. Like he always doing too much. But <laughs> no, man, that guy is here to stay. He's gonna be a giant for a long time, and and rightfully so. I think he's a very talented player, and and I think with the way this team is constructed, with what they way they built in the draft, the Giants are gonna be in a position to where. And I know you mentioned like not paying top tier wide receivers. They're gonna pay a receiver. They're either gonna pay a receiver or get a really good one with the eleven pick. Like, pick that's what's going to happen because they've mentioned a million times it's about getting Daniel Jones' weapon. So, Antonio can't do what he just did. Throw some shade at, at Daniel Jones, talk about they have no quarterback. They, when you give that guy weapons, you gave Josh Allen weapons in Buffalo, you're going to see a different quarterback. And that's what happens. You give him a chance. You, we, Daniel Jones hasn't had a chance. All we've seen him do is play with one arm tied behind his back. And guess what? He's a damn good for a guy playing with one arm behind his back with no old line. No speed receiver, no number one receiver, no guy who went who wins consistently outside of Shepard. That's it. Like, and Shepard's out a lot of time. He gets hurt. Yo, man, I, I, I'm excited because this year is gonna be a big year for for Giants fans. Just, just stay tuned, bro. Stay tuned. And, oh. and, and after this year, no one gonna be talk about not paying Saquon. It won't be a question. Just watch. So Daniel Houdini, okay, he's a magician, one arm behind his back. <laughs> With that perspective the only thing i would say before we close this out for before i go our last topic with that perspective which from a financial aspect as an owner as a gm that's smart 
Yes, completely agree. But those rookie contracts are three to five years. That means you're trying to win in that three to five years. That's the only thing with that. And with Gettleman, again, had a good last year. Overall, as a Giants fan, I know it's been plenty of times you looked at Gettleman like, yo, what is he doing? Hold this on. year it turned around. So you fired after this year. But yeah, he was on the hot seat because till this season, till y'all players played well, if you be honest as a Giants fan, you may not have had him on the hot seat, but he was on a hot seat and it was hotter than fish grease. So (laughs) drafting, it gives you that three to five window, which means he better draft right. So y'all have those players for the three to five years on those rookie contracts. That's cheaper. And you got to win. That's all Yo, I'm saying. It's a three to five year window. The two the two moves that Giants fans had Dave Gettleman on the hot seat for was Landon Williams trading for him when trading for him, not trading Landon Collins when he had the chance. I didn't like the not trading Landon Collins piece, but we don't know what the value was around the league. We just don't know. We we really don't. I mean, I know the what the Redskins gave him a bag, but we don't know what the Giants would get back in tra- in a trade there. Um, and then also the um, Odell trade, the the famous Odell trade, right? We know that was motivated by more than just you know trading trading him like it was a lot more it was i believe it was racially motivated there too i i don't i don't run from that i'm not proud of that as a giants fan but both those moves worked out trading for Leonard williams worked out he's a stud he's gonna get his bag he, he came here he blossomed huh you're gonna get a lot of money you gonna you relax you're gonna get his bag you'll get paid fair you're gonna get paid his fair rate he's in the system but he loves he fair loves rate. the coaches huh what's a fair rate that's what i want to know he should touch. He should touch. I I think he should get. He's gonna want five years. I I I think, and he's young enough. Over so he could demand that, huh? Over a hundred mil. Nah, chill. You're not getting over a million. Don't don't do not do that. He's not coming back. He's not coming back then. He is coming back. Yo, look, he's in a system that finally works, and as we know, it it is about system based. I mean, when he was Jets, he wasn't doing these numbers. He's a coaches where it works. He's a brilliant defensive coordinator. Giants get him about 90, 90, 90 mil, 80, 80, 85 to 90 mil. Bring him in for like four years. More. No, whatever. No, I don't, I don't how see do you, it. How do, you know he don't, how do you know he don't feel like drumming and feels like he could have a bigger role somewhere else? Where is his role going to be bigger? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you could not do more than he did last year. <laughs> no, no, he's going to come back. He's going to come back, um, I think, at that number. Um, and that look, Gettleman's done a really good job. Like, there's just no way around. Even the moves where you scratch your head on on just initial glance, and that's the Daniel Jones pick too. You scratch your head on initial ga- glance, and you watch him play, and you're like, "There's something here. This t- it's not it's not there yet. It's not there yet. We're, we're not there yet. We need to get him offensive line that can protect him. Have weapons around him. They're gonna get some weapons for him. The heard we might look at Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. I'd love to get him. That'd be amazing." Get him some speedy guys around the field that he can throw the ball to, um, and the, it could, this thing could take off. But Gettleman, Gettleman deserves a lot of credit, even for the moves that were shaky. I know he's in a hot, hot seat in New York. It's New York. They overreact to everything. Everything's an overreaction, okay? The guy did a good job. The guy's done a good job. There's no way you can look at this thing, where they are now versus where they were before, on a, line, or on a team that had no depth, and to be where they are now – Nah, man. He's done a good job, and maybe he doesn't finish the job. Maybe he steps off this thing eventually, and someone else, you know, carries the baton, and they go, they go all the way, and they they become a really, really good team, and he doesn't see it through. 
but I think he's gonna he's gonna see a lot of this through, and he's done a really good job so far. There's something there. So you talking about like you looking at an ultrasound? There's something there. You think it's gonna be a baby, but you find out it's gas. We'll see if what really comes <laughs> off. Daniel Jones, you're very optimistic. Before we close out the show, real quick, just want to get y'all perspectives. Tell me what y'all takeaways was from the Cam Newton situation. There was a young camper calling him booty and trash, and Cam responded better than most would have. Told him he was rich, but then tried to have a conversation with him and give him some knowledge, but the kid wasn't hearing it. It just came out today. I guess he got home, and his pops and his mom probably talked to him. He made a public apology on Twitter to Cam Newton. What was your takeaways from this situation? Man, I try to watch that video as much as I can because there were so many different clips that, you know, these different platforms were, were putting up, and I was just trying to piece it all together. Um, but ultimately, you know, it was the same. And my takeaway was this. That kid's a knucklehead, and he, knew, he knows he's a knucklehead. And I remember being in high school, and that's the first thing I thought of when I was in high school, you know, how I try to show out in front of my teammates, you know, uh, whether, you know, every kid does it at some point in their career. He just happened to do it to, to Cam Newton, right? He, he tried to be that guy in, in front of Cam Newton. And um, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> it's so crazy to think about because that's somebody that you should be looking up to as, as an idol, as a mentor, um, someone to help teach you and, and learn from mistakes that he made. You know, this is a, a guy that was a uh, Heisman winner, you know, someone that's played in the Super Bowl, someone that's had a, a great NFL career up to this point. Yeah, he's a free agent. So what? That kid was just stating facts. Yeah, I'm a, you're a free agent. You're a free agent. Like, you're not saying anything. At the end of the day, Cam Newton is rich, and he's here to help you. Like, if – and I just think about so many kids who aren't fortunate enough to be in that situation that that kid was in being able to play and showcase your talent with your friends. You know, that's the dream, being able to play in front of a superstar like that who can give you tips and help you get to that next level. And you're going to sit here and disrespect him to try to get some clout and to try to make your homies laugh and whatnot. Um, you know, it was, it was nonsense. It was, it was silly. And at the end of the day, too, that, that apology, that apology is whack. And it has spelling errors in it. I'm, I wish someone proofread that because at the end of the day, he was missing words. That that and it was it was it was crazy, man. But uh, more moral of the story is that you gotta you gotta respect people that came before you and, and people that want to help you at the end of the day. Because Cam Newton, that's a connection that you should want to have in your life and in someone that could definitely help you out in the future. But now, Cam Cam knows like, oh, if I ever see this kid's name again, like I'm not helping him. Yeah, that was crazy. It was at Cam's event. On top of all of this, that you don't show up. To Dr. Dre studio telling Dr. Dre, yo, the chronic all, all that was trash, bro. Right. That's you just don't do that. Miles, you being a father, if uh Jace pulls something off like this. That's not even gonna be an option. Like you gotta have respect for the ones that came before you. That's the main moral of the story, is that he's trying to get to where Cam's been. Like Cam's not out of here. He's not out here on the strength of like publicity. He's ha he's trying to help these kids out. So the fact that he wants to come over here and probably was like, "Yo, videotape this real quick. Try to get vi go viral," which is I guess the thing nowadays. You say something disrespectful to 
somebody famous and then you get you go viral on Bleacher Report or on ESPN and that's the new thing. But like Cam's since he's come into the league, he's just tried to help out the young kids in his foundation. He's put many kids in positions to get seen for scholarship offers. So instead of trying to pick his brain, see how he got to where he got to, you turn around and get into an argument with, I mean, one of the better quarterbacks for the last decade. You can't even disrespect him. And I mean, they named all his accolades, but you shouldn't even have to. Like it's, it's Cam Newton. You already know who he is. Like you wouldn't be doing this <laughs> to Dan Orlovsky or <laughs> to anybody else. You're doing it to Cam Newton because it's Cam Newton. But you're trying to gain clout off of his name. And by trying to say, oh, you're a free agent, you're a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent right now. But that means he has teams to pick from still. He's not retired. He's not out of the league. Like he has options. So saying he's a free agent, he has options to go to. He had a down year. And some of that can be attributed to it's a, a COVID year. So there wasn't as much training. There wasn't as much practice with his team. And he was with the Patriots where there was definitely a lack of talent on that offensive side of the ball. So you could say all you want. Ram Cam, who was coming off an injury, by the way, and nobody really works as hard as Cam, I'd say, to get back to where he's at. So for that kid to just mouth off and disrespect Cam, I think Cam handled it as well as anyone could. Like Cam's not the type to take disrespect from anybody, but at the same time, he's trying to give knowledge to that kid too. Like they were, everybody saw the, the one clip of him saying like, oh, I'm rich. Oh, you poor, you poor, you broke. But then they no, nobody saw that other clip until later on where he's, he's trying to reason with the kid like, yo, like I'm not, I'm not trying to beef with you. Like there's no beef here. Like I'm trying to help you. That's the I main think, I think he's gonna to have to change his name legally. Uh because <laughs> for one second, if you think college coaches, coaches, scouts see his name pop up when he sends his tape in, a coach, his high school coach calls, hey, come check out my kid. He's playing this position. Wait, that name sounds familiar. They're going to look it up. Oh, this is still on Twitter feed, viral. He was going at Cam. And that will, if you wanted to go viral, now you're going to have to pay the consequences. And I think this will follow him for the rest of his young career, unfortunately. And he better be, I don't know what position he's playing, but he better be darn good to make sure that this isn't going to be a factor in whether or not a college wants them to come play because they don't want no distraction. They don't, yeah. No college wants to deal with that. Greg, G-Baby, the, the the scout on the show that deals with a bunch of these little kids and the younger kids, and I know you've seen a couple of your knuckleheads in your time and a couple of Bebe's kids. What was your takeaway from this? It, it's a it's a generational thing. It's, it's a generational thing. A lot of these kids just don't respect what who paved the way for him what came before him there's just a lack of general respect with this generation for sure and i don't even mean that like from a sports perspective i mean that and like a life perspective life. You, see, 
these kids are wilding out, wilding out, bro. They do whatever they want, bro. I saw a headline, a bunch of coach, a bunch of kids beat up their high school coach after a game. Like that really happened in Newark. Um, no, I, I don't know if y'all Chabaz beat up their high their high school coach. Like, what? Like they're wilding out. It's crazy. It's a it's a generational difference with the way that they approach adults. Forget celebrities, adults. And that's why something like this can happen. Um, so the kid is obviously a knucklehead. He's obviously a kid, you know, and 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 I and once I got over the initial disrespect of it all, where I'm just like, yo, like I was mad. Like I was like, Yeah, you talking to Cam like that? Like Cam doesn't have to be there. Cam, the Cam goes to this camp to give back to the kids. Cam's a good dude. That's what he is, and he gives back to these kids, and he he puts more into his camp. His camp's a more of a of a thing of a of an exciting thing to do and exciting thing to be at because you know you're gonna see him there. You know he's gonna bring, he's gonna give back, he's gonna give his own time to this thing, and invest in you guys. So yeah, I mean the kid doesn't have the the foresight to see it. Um, I think it is more a knock more of a knock on the parents than it is on him. I don't think it's a knock on him. I think it's I think it's a knock more on the parents because even if the and we don't know him, but listen, man, like I'll tell you one thing, my kid's not gonna do, and that's not I'm not having no kids anytime soon. But that when I when I do have kids, like one thing they're not gonna do is come left at like an authority figure. Like you're not you're not doing that. That's just not we're not playing that game. So and and that's 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 aside from the fact that Cam's a Hall of Fame football player and the kid was just being idiotic, but. I hope this doesn't follow that kid. I hope that kid gets a break because I, I, I you know, he's young, he's young and I, and, and he made a mistake and it shouldn't, it shouldn't ruin his life. Okay. The kid couldn't put together a full sentence in that damn apology he wrote. All right. Like we need to, you need to give that kid a chance. And I think the cool thing about, about Cam is that Cam, I think Cam would help that kid out if he saw him down the road. Cause I think Cam's that kind of dude. I, I really, I really do. I really do. So Cam, shout out to him for being the bigger person because you easily get a booted him out the camp. You easily get a booted that kid out the camp. Easy. No, no questions asked. Could have been gone. He wasn't. He stayed. He played. He got he got the full experience and he didn't pay for that. And so I hope that I think that's a really that's a much bigger thing. Like I, I man, don't don't let's not let's not crucify this young black man out here on the on the TVs. I'm glad they didn't put his name out on first take. I'm glad they didn't put his name out there. Let him learn from his mistakes because we've seen, and I know I bring it back to race, but we've seen this the other way. I have seen kids that are not black get away with this kind of stuff. I have seen it. We've all seen it. And so I just want to get, make sure that kid gets a chance to grow from his mistakes. Cause it's, it's kids make kids do dumb stuff. That's just, you know, that's the reality of it, but it is a generational thing. That is some wild stuff. These kids are wilding. These kids are really wilding and, and they be trying Kids be trying me every day, and they don't think that I'm not Cam. I will not. I'm not gonna handle like. I'm Greg not ain't rich. I'm not. I'm not rich. I'm not rich. Or I will bust your ass. Like I'm not Cam. <laughs> I'm not. Man, that's a wrap. It's another episode, another installment of the Bench Mob Podcast. As we just heard Greg say, uh, Miles has a child. Greg is next. Chris is next, and I'll be last one. You I'll already know. On the list. Chris, you next. In June 2020, we out here. <laughs> 2021. Right. I see you. Greg is on the way with his. But y'all know the vibes. Uh, speaking of kids, y'all know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench right. out, we out. Peace. Peace, coming soon. <laughs>